What's up, Central family? Nice to see you guys. Big welcome to uh, our Henderson location. And as always, huge shout out to uh, our Central family meeting in different locations, to our Summerlin family. Good to have you guys with us this weekend. To those in our Southern Highlands location, thrilled that you're here. Sunrise Mountain, welcome. Kingman, down in Kingman, we love you guys. Welcome. Uh, if you're watching in our partnership with God Behind Bars, different prison facilities around the country, we want you to know you're not alone. We're glad that you're here celebrating with us. And if you're watching online, thanks for joining us. Well, we've been talking about what it means to be blessed. And today I want to talk to you about kind of what it means to be blessed in the mess. Uh, well, I've been in a mess recently. I don't know if you've been sick with the stuff that's gone around over the last month, but Lori was really sick for like two full weeks. And I just got to tell you, when Lori's sick, I'm a mess. Everything just is one step from total chaos, right? So Lori gets really sick. When she first gets sick, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really sweet. I'm kind. Now she's in the sick room, we call it, the spare bedroom. But, you know, I'll go check on her. Hey, do you need anything? Can I fill the humidifier up for you? Can I bring you lunch? Can I bring you something? You know, you need some tea, right? Like I was awesome. But about five days in, I'm starting to get worn out now. I remember I'm like standing out there and I'm like, she's like, hey, could you fill the humidifier up? I'm like, well, how about I just show you how to do it? This is just going to keep going. It's never going to end, you know. But uh, anyway, we finally, we got through it. She was literally sick for two full, almost two full weeks. She was down and out. And our house was right on the verge of completely coming apart. But after she sort of started feeling better and we got things back under control a little bit, she put this post on social media and she asked this question, which I thought was pretty funny. I'll just read it and then I'll explain it to you in case it doesn't make sense. She says, on a scale of Marie Kondo to Fire Festival, how together is your life right now? Now that only means something if you understand what she's talking about, so let me break it down. Marie Kondo is um, this Japanese woman who's a pretty big deal right now, who does this organizational uh, teaching where you go through your house, you fold your clothes. I mean, you don't just roll your socks. I mean, you don't just uh, like fold them up. You roll them up and you put them in the drawer and you thank them, <laughs> right? So here's Marie Kondo, here she is, um, and you know, she sort of represents life together, organized, clean, efficient. <laughs> the Fire Festival, Festival, on the other hand, if you've got Hulu or Netflix, uh, there's some documentaries out there about the Fire Festival. Now, the Fire Festival was supposed to be this huge concert in the Bahamas. It was going to be epic, amazing. They sold tickets for anywhere from $5,000 to a quarter million dollars. It was supposed to be luxury, uh, you know, places to, to, to hang out and great food, five-star accommodations, amazing music. And it just became this complete disaster. They made a couple documentaries about it. But in the end, a couple thousand people did show up. There was no no music, there was no stage, and basically these are the luxury accommodations. These are disaster relief tents. There's mattresses outside, and it's total chaos. And so Lori in this post, she says, you know, if you're Marie Kondo on one side, or if you're Fire Festival on the other side, if Marie Kondo's one, Fire Festival's ten, where would you be? And most people that responded to her post said fire festival right over here right on the earth, on the verge of it all coming apart right right in the middle of the mess and i don't know where your life is today but i trust that many of us understand 
uh, what it is to be walking in the middle of a mess. And I think a lot of times when we're in a mess, uh, we pray that God will bless us. And what we hope and desire is that God will bless us and get us out of the mess. Sometimes we think the way God's going to bless us is to get us out of this situation. The way God's going to move in our lives is to relieve me of this pressure. But I want to suggest to you today that God will bless you in the mess, not apart from the mess. God will bless you in the mess, not necessarily apart from the mess. Now, he may bless you in the mess and eventually get you out of the mess, but he doesn't have to wait to get you out of the mess to bless you. In fact, if you really want to walk in the favor and blessing of God, he meets you right where you are. So maybe your life feels like a mess today. Maybe it feels a lot less like Marie Kondo and a lot more like the fire festival. That's okay. God can meet you right in the middle of that. And a great example is a guy in the Bible named Jabez. So we're gonna be in 1 Chronicles chapter four, beginning in verse nine. And the way we do this at Scripture, we'll bring, uh, at Central, we'll bring this scripture up on the screen. Uh, I'll read it when we get to the red word. I'm gonna ask you to read it out loud with me. It's how we make sure everybody is awake. So here we go. 1 Chronicles chapter four, we're gonna read the whole thing. This is one of the shortest biographies in the entire Bible. This is the only thing we know, basically, about this guy Jabez. He just sort of appears and then he's gone. But check out what it says. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so what? Painful, more on that in a minute. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, Jabez rolls up and he prays this simple prayer. He asks God to bless him and to move in his life and God granted his request. Now we've been talking over the last several weeks about what it looks like to be simply blessed. Uh, week one, we talked about how God loves to bless people and all the way back in the book of Genesis, you see the first thing God does after creating Adam and Eve, he blessed them. God is a God who desires to bless his people. Then we talked about the importance of gratitude and we said, look, if you count your blessings, your blessings will start to count. That it's important that we give thanks and remember all that God has done in our life. Last week, we talked about generosity and we said that the generosity gives you what money actually promises you. The pathway to so much meaning and joy and significance in your life. That God wants to bless you in your life so that you'll be a blessing to other people. So today I want to talk to you about how God can bless you in the mess and about how if we too will rise up like Jabez and pray a prayer asking God to bless us and walk uh, in relationship with us, I believe that is a prayer God wants to answer in our lives. So a few things that you see about Jabez. One is that he rose above his circumstances. That he rose above his circumstances. And I think the principle for us today, if we wanna be blessed in the mess, is we gotta believe above our circumstances. You gotta believe above your circumstances. Um, you know, names are very significant, especially in the Bible. They're significant even today. I was thinking about um, when our son was born, Ethan. Uh, we, we named him Ethan. We had narrowed it down to a few different choices, and, and we went with Ethan. But we didn't really look at what the name Ethan meant. <laughs> I don't know. If, anyway. Probably should have done that. 
But after we'd already sort of named him, picked it out, you know, then at one point we kind of looked it up, like, hey, what, is, what does Ethan mean? And what it means is strong, which is, that's a great name, right? Great meaning. Problem is, my last name, his last name, is Wilhite. You know what Wilhite means? Strong-willed. So we named our kid Strong, Strong-willed. And man, was he as a little kid. I mean, I can remember like, just, he just did what he wanted to do, and he was sweet, but you, you, you know, it just no matter how much you tried, once he set his mind to something, it was game over. Can some of you relate? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? We used to sit outside his room for a couple hours every single night to keep him in bed so that he would go to sleep. Lori and I actually took turns doing this, you know, to, to try and, uh, and, and keep our sanity in the midst of that. His teachers in elementary school didn't know what to do with him because he's really he's shy and he's quiet and he's kind. And he doesn't get in any trouble, but he also doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. And so they would say, Ethan, I need you to do this. And I, we would have like parent-teacher meetings, and the teachers would be like, he just looks at me in the nicest voice and says, um, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what I do, like, it's, he's done. That's, that, I'm, I'm like, welcome to our world. That is our world. But you know what's awesome is watching your kids grow up, right? and watching them mature and watching them change. And I've certainly seen that in my son, Ethan. I'm so proud of him. He's become an awesome young man. He's left some of that, that strong-willed stuff behind. And he's stepping into who God created him to be. When you look to the Bible, in the Old Testament, um, particularly names had great significance. And so Jabez is a name that, that had a lot of significance because Jabez actually means painful. It means pain. In other words, Jabez gave his mom so much trouble in birth, she named him pain. I don't know how bad it's gotta be, ladies, but that's kind of at a whole other, other level, right? Like, we're just gonna name you pain. But he was born into tough circumstances. From the very beginning, his life was pain. It started as pain. Everywhere people went, they said, hey, pain, what's up? Hey, pain, what's going on? Can you imagine that kind of sentence over your life? It would have been easy for Jacob to lower himself to the level of his circumstances but for Jabez, but instead he believed himself above his circumstances. He asked God to bless him. He didn't allow his name to define him. He let God work in his heart and in his life. And so look again at what it says. First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine, it says, there was a man named um, Jabez who was more what? Honorable, he was more honorable than any of his brothers. Now there's no indication that his brothers were bad kids. Uh, we, we don't know that, it's not like his brothers um, you know, were mean or got in trouble, there's no indication of that. But Jabez, whose name meant pain, was more honorable than his brothers. He refused to allow his circumstances to limit his life. He did not allow his pain to be the thing that determined his identity. Instead, he allowed God to do that, and he reached for God, and he asked for more. Friends, I don't know where you're at in your life. Some of you, maybe you're going through some stuff right now. Maybe, maybe you look at your whole life, and you feel like, yeah, my name could be Jabez. They, they might as well have named me Pain. 
Because that's been my journey, right? Everywhere I turn, maybe right now you're hurting, you're going through something, and when people look at you, they just sort of look at you with pity, and they sort of see the pain that, you know, you just feel that they're looking at you that way, and you're like, come on, you know, like, you're carrying that pain around. But I want you to know, your pain may be real, it may be significant, but it does not have to define you. Your pain only defines you when you give it permission to. And so Jabez reminds us of the power of opening our heart to God, reaching out to God, following God in our life, and rising above our circumstances, trusting him in every aspect of our life and believing that he will move. See, I, I think sometimes we, uh, we, just, we want God to bless us in a situation and get us out of that situation when God wants to bless us in the situation, transform us in the situation, and give us the gift of his presence in the middle of the mess. If you're in a mess, you're in a perfect place for a miracle. If you're in a mess, you're in a perfect place for a miracle. God always, all through the Bible, he shows up in the mess of people's lives and he meets them there. And Jabez reminds us, no matter where you started out, no matter where you were born, whether you came from uh, you know, the inner city, whether you came from poverty and a lot of hardship, maybe you came from a home where there was a lot of abuse, maybe you never had a mother, never had a father, maybe you always felt like people didn't believe in you. Listen, it doesn't matter where you come from, it matters where you're going. And ultimately, it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where God is taking you. Jabez came from pain, but he didn't let pain define him. He moved forward in faith and he trusted that God would show up in that situation in his life. So believe above your circumstances. Because right now, listen, maybe you got people in your life that are, they doubt you. They doubt your ability. Maybe at work, maybe your manager, maybe people you work with. They doubt that you can get the job done. They doubt that you're gonna be faithful. They doubt that you're gonna accomplish it. But listen, they don't speak for God. They don't define who you are. You serve a God who's big and strong and powerful and you give him your best and you work for him. You're gonna outshine everybody around you because he's number one in your life. Maybe you're hearing people, you know, you're, you're fighting for your marriage right now and People are kind of doubting. People have said, man, I told you you should have never hooked up with him. I told you you should have never got with her, right? People are coming in. The critics are lining up. But listen, those critics don't define reality for you. You got to look to God and do what God's leading you to do. You got to try, you got to believe above your circumstances. So I don't know where you're struggling today, but I do know that God loves to bless people in the mess, not apart from the mess. Believe above your circumstances. Here's another thought for us today to be blessed in the mess, and that is to ask for a better life. To straight up ask for a better life. I saw this uh, post on Twitter. Uh, this guy um, works at an elementary school, and he saw this little kid, and here's the, uh, here's the quote he put up. He said, today I asked a, kindergarten, a kindergartner if Friday was his favorite day of the week. And his response was, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things. I'm confused all the time. <laughs> and I love what this guy said, same little man, same. I can relate to that, right? Sometimes we feel confused all the time. And particularly when it comes to God's blessing, I think sometimes we can get confused and we can wonder like, is it okay to pray for some of these things in my life? Is it okay to ask for a better life? Well, look at what Jabez 
does. First Chronicles chapter four, verse 10. Let's read it again. Let's bring it up on the screens. Listen to his prayer. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and what? Expand my territory. Now that's just another way of saying, oh, that you would bless me and give me more money. Oh, that you would bless me and give me more power. Oh, that you'd bless me and give me more influence. Oh, that you would bless me and give me more uh, ability to make a difference in this world. He wasn't afraid to ask God for a better life, straight up. And I think it sets an example for us today. We're like, I'm confused, you know, can I, should I pray for God's blessing? Can I pray for more money? Can I pray for more uh, territory, if you will? Can I pray for a larger impact? Can I pray for more followers? Can I pray that, you know, I'll, I'll have a greater impact at work? And I wanna, and we're, I'll, I'll give you the, 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 the caution to this in a minute, but right now I just wanna say, absolutely. Jabez sets the example, ask for a better life. You never know. What did God do? God granted his request. So he came to God and he cried out to God. And I think sometimes we pray about things and we give up too early. Now, when I read 1 Chronicles chapter 4, you know, you get the sense that maybe Jabez just prayed this kind of once and moved on. But I think this was a lifestyle. I think he continually came to God and said, expand my territory. Bless me, God. And God blessed him in his life. He refused to be limited by where he came from. And so he rose to a new level. What about you in your life? What would it look like if you begin to ask God to bless you? Maybe even pray the prayer of Jabez every day for a month or every day for a year and just say, God bless me in these areas in my life. Expand my territory, work in my life and look at him and depend on him. See, I think we give up too soon. Sometimes we pray, you know, God help me in this situation and then we stop. It's like there's this great story in the Old Testament around uh, a character named Jacob. And Jacob uh, is going back home to meet his brother, where we pick him up in the book of Genesis. And his brother Esau is somebody you hasn't seen in basically 20 years, almost 20 years. And he's going back to see Esau. He's going back home. He's been gone for a couple decades. And when he left, he stole the birthright from his brother Esau by lying. So he lied, he cheated, which is what Jacob, his name actually meant, usurper and liar. How'd you like to have that for a name? but he stole the birthright from his brother Esau. His brother Esau was so angry and infuriated at the way all this went down that you know, he basically vowed that he would kill him. And so he fled for his life. So for better part of 20 years, Jacob's far from home and now he's going back home. But this was an era where you couldn't just get your phone out and text your brother and be like, hey, we cool? Like, you know, so he's on his way back home and Esau hears that his brother's coming home and he doesn't know if Esau's cool now, it's been all these years, if things chilled out or whatever, and he hears Esau's coming out to meet him with an army. And so Jacob's freaking out. And he basically sends his family over here and he ends up spending an entire night alone and the Bible, it's really mysterious, this passage. It doesn't give us a lot of uh, insight about uh, the background of what was going on. But at some point in the night, a guy shows up. And I don't know what's going through um, Jacob's head. I don't know if he thinks that he's, uh, you know, uh, Esau. I don't know if he thinks he's a robber. Um, but pretty soon, he begins to realize that this guy is more than meets the eye. They actually start to wrestle, literally wrestling. 
And in the midst of his wrestling, he's realizing like, this guy doesn't get tired, this guy doesn't go down, maybe this isn't a guy at all. Maybe this is an angel, maybe this is God incarnate in some way, you know, supernaturally. And in the midst of this moment, it, dawn is about to break and light's about to break. And this angel or being says to Jacob, he says, um, he says, you know, let me go. Dawn is coming, you need to let me go. And here's Jacob. Now I want you to picture this. Jacob's been wrestling with this guy for potentially hours. It's early. The sun's about to come up in the morning. He's exhausted. He's tired. At one point, uh, when Jacob won't let him go, this being touches his hip and basically injures his hip. So Jacob's hurting. He's been fighting all night. He's going to face his brother. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And there's this amazing thing in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. He says, I need you to let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. And the being says to him, what's your name? And that's significant because 20 years before, the last time he was asked his name by his father, who was blind at the time, he lied and he said, my name is Esau. And he stole the birthright blessing that should have gone to Esau. So this being says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. Liar, usurper. And this angel says, or whoever it was, <laughs> says, from now on, you shall be called Israel, one who wrestles with God. And so he got a new name, a new identity. He received his blessing because he didn't give up. And then he found out later, and he got his hip dislocated, so you know he couldn't run from his brother when he was gonna have to face him right around the corner. And when he faces his brother, he finds out that, yeah, Esau brought an army, but Esau was all good. That was a long time ago, and you know all is forgiven, and there's an awesome reunion you know, that you can read about in Genesis where they come back together. But I think the principle in our lives that I take from that story is sometimes you gotta have some tenacity in your prayer life. Sometimes you gotta ask God to bless you and then ask him to bless you and then ask him to bless you. Jesus says, uh, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking, right? Like keep asking, ask and keep on asking, uh, uh, keep on asking. He says, and the door will be open to you. Right? Don't just be persistent. Don't give up. It's okay to ask for a better life. It's okay to ask for a better job. It's okay to ask for uh, an improved marriage. <laughs> Maybe not another marriage, but an improved marriage. Okay. It's okay to ask that God bring the right person across your path. If you're kind of tired of navigating life lonely, it's okay to pray that God would supernaturally move and work in your business. It's okay to pray that God would, would bless what you put your hand to. It's okay to say, God, bless me, expand my territory. Jabez prayed it boldly. And God showed up in the middle of that. Another principle to be blessed in the mess is simply this, to draw near to God, to draw near to God. Now, I think if there's a danger in that conversation about asking God to bless us, it's that we sometimes start viewing God kind of like um, a genie. You remember Aladdin? Anybody remember Aladdin? I got my genie lamp here. Um, so, 
You know, the whole idea with a genie lamp is, you know, you get three wishes, right? And, and you're supposed to basically, you know, your first wish is supposed to be that you wish for unlimited wishes, except there are rules to genie's behavior. They can only give three wishes. So what you should wish for, if you ever encounter a real genie, is um, you should wish for unlimited genies. Every genie can give you three wishes. <laughs> Always learning deep nuggets here at Central, none of which are relevant to life, but... But you know, the whole idea with Aladdin, right, is you, you, know, you rub the lamp, the genie pops out, and you get to make the wish. And, uh, you know, and then you know, your wish is my command. Sometimes we can treat God like a genie. We can just think, I can just rub the lamp, say a prayer, and God's gonna do it in my life. Sometimes we treat God like a tool that we can use in our hand, or like a credit card that we can swipe in our faith perspective. But Jabez had a much bigger perception than this. And you see it in the next verse. Let's look at it again. First Chronicles chapter four, verse 10. Look at what Jabez prays. He says to God, please be what? With me. Please be with me in all that I do. That's a huge prayer. And keep me from all trouble and pain, or it could be translated from all evil in my life. Jabez did not want the blessings of God without God. You see that? Please be with me in all that I do. Jabez wasn't trying to just get blessings. And the danger is sometimes we like find ourselves in a situation where God has blessed us and then we allow those blessings to crowd out the blesser. Don't let the blessings crowd out the blesser in your life. I mean, sometimes what we're asking God for in our prayer life are the very things that keep us dependent on him. Right? We pray that God will give us more money because we find our security in money. When God's saying all along, you need to be finding your security in me, not in more money. We pray that God will uh, you know, heal us supernaturally in our lives, and I hope he will. But God also wants to be our strength in our lives, whether we're healed or not. We pray that God will bring people into our lives to love us and to encourage us and to walk with us in our lives. And that's awesome. But even if you have that, God still wants to be the one we get our primary identity and value from. So sometimes the very things we're praying for are the things that would take us out of our dependence on God. And that's why sometimes the things that we ask for, we just don't get, right? It just doesn't happen but realize in that moment, God may be sparing you because listen, if you get to a place where God has blessed you in so many areas in your life that you no longer need God, you no longer rely on God, you no longer depend on God, you no longer think about God, you no longer pray to God, there is a word for what that is in the Bible and it's the word cursed. So you got a blessing that then became a curse because of the way you handled it. And so in our lives, if we'll draw near to God and keep him first, we can come and we can ask him to bless us. We can ask him to show up big in our lives. We can ask him to provide for us financially. We can ask him at work to do a move. But then we remember, God, I don't want any of it if it's gonna mean I'm gonna lose you. It's like one of the great prayers of the Bible is a prayer that just goes like this. It says, Lord, don't give me so little, you know, that I steal and lie and basically scrap for food, but don't give me so much that I forget you and no longer rely on you. And so we can ask God to bless us, 
But Jabez reminds us that the most powerful thing of God's blessing is his presence. That's the main thing. That's what we all need in our hearts and in our lives, the presence of God in the middle of the mess. Some of you, you've been asking God to take the mess away, but I think more often than taking the mess away, God blesses in the mess, not apart from the mess. And I was thinking about that this week. A friend, a friend reached out to me and uh, his father had just passed away. Um, He's wrestling with kind of what that means in his life. He knew that my father had passed away several years ago and I kind of walked through that. And so he just reached out to me. He said, you know, how are you, just as a man, how did you handle losing your dad, you know? And um, how did you kind of navigate it? Cause he's like, it's really spun me out. And I just told him, I said, look, I, I said, it's probably the thing in my life that I have cried more tears about than anything else I've experienced in my life. I absolutely adored my mom, but I, I, I adored my dad. And I didn't realize the impact that he had on my life until he passed away, you know, until, until he was dead. So, I've, so I get it. And I think that's true for a, a lot of men, particularly when it, when it comes to those uh, mother-father kinds of issues. Certainly it was for me. But I started to reflect back as I was talking to him on how God blessed us even in the midst of that mess. I remember we were going home to see my dad and uh, we had the kids all pulled together and we'd just gotten through security at the airport and we were going to have a fun time. We were going to just sit around, see him at his house. He had this little home that he lived in. It was going to be awesome, right? And right before we got on the plane, I got a phone call from my brother. He said, dad just fell and he's going to, we're taking him straight to the hospital and he's really hurt. And so I just remember, you know, I felt horrible for him. The whole thing felt like it was gonna be a mess. I had little kids at the time and, you know, we're gonna be living at the hospital this whole trip, you know, like it just didn't work out the way I thought it would. It felt like the fire festival was going down. But I didn't know at the time that that trip, we would have the opportunity to be with my dad in his final days on this earth. I didn't know that we were already planning to be there and I got to be beside his bed in his final conscious moments. I got to hear him speak his last words, which were a gift to me because God gave him lucidity for a moment. And he looked up, he looked over at me and he said, you're good kids and I love you. I'm going for a walk in the sunshine. I'll see you on the other side. And I walked out from that moment and felt like I was so blessed to have that moment, but I was blessed in the mess. My dad still died. I still cry regularly about it. Often it straight, I was in the grocery store once. My dad was a refrigeration guy. He repaired grocery store refrigeration equipment. And I see this tool belt. Everybody who's lost a parent knows what I'm talking about. And I see it just sitting there on the ground and just took me right back to my dad. I'm at Albertsons, bawling my eyes out. And it doesn't mean I wasn't blessed. And it doesn't mean God didn't bless not only then, but every day since then. But he blessed in the mess. And it's messy. Listen, God wants to bless you, but he'll bless you in the mess, not apart from the mess. So whatever you need from him, come to him and open your heart to him and just pray. Just say, God, 
I ask you for a better life. I'm not gonna let my circumstances define how I see myself. I don't care what name my parents may have given me. I care about who you say that I am and I look to you and depend on you. Believe above your circumstances, ask for a better life and draw near to God. Say, God, I don't want the blessing if that means I'm separated from you. I want you above all else. And if you ask me, whatever we face in life, difficulty, hardship, struggle, suffering, if we have God, we're blessed. We're simply blessed. He's the prize. He's the prize. So if you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith in your own life, I'd love to just invite you to reach out to Jesus Christ and to place your faith and your trust in him. Believe in him and the Bible says that you will be saved and you will be blessed in every way, not only today, but every day. So if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna ask everyone to just bow their heads and close their eyes. You can begin that journey by repeating a simple prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming into the world. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Wherever you may be, wherever you may be watching, whatever location you may be at, just slip your hand in the air to acknowledge you're gonna follow God. You're surrendering to him and you're trusting him with your life. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you and I pray you'll fill them with your joy, your purpose, your significance. God, move in their heart and life and let them know they're not alone. We give you praise today in Christ's name, amen.